Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 126 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect people at and away from their gaming tables and computers. For 126 episodes, I have been your host, Taquan Watson, but I do it with my friend in tow, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Uh, going well, 126 episodes. So we are chugging along. <laughs> this is. This is... We're doing what we can, man. We're yeah. doing what we can. But, you know, we can't do it without our sponsors. So we got to give some love over to Cardsphere.com. An amazing place to buy and sell cards at the price you want, when you want, how you want. It's worth going to check out their site if you haven't seen it yet. If for no other reason, just because they show us some love and have, I wouldn't say quite since day one, before a long time, you know, since since early on. So right. Go pay some love back to those who take care of us. Also, if you want to take care of us, you can be a member of our Patreon over at patreon.com slash color of magic. Just like Brian Keller, who has been an OG since June 2020. So nearly when we went live with it early on. So thank you, Brian Keller. Want to give a nice thanks to you. And if you want to get something for yourself over at color of slash shop, you can pick up some tokens and play mats with our likeness and logos, and you could rep those as we get back out to going to our local stores or events, because we're kind of getting to that point. And for, for the OGs, we need something like, I think the Usos have those shirts, like, down since day one Yes. <laughs> yep, we the ones. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into some soapboxy things and kick this off, because uh, we've got we're a couple angry. of things <laughs> that are going to be, be interesting on this episode, I think. So I'm going to I'm going to start here. First up, man, mine's almost like a two parter. <laughs> to be continued. Yeah, this, this is a two piece, if you will, because we we were just talking about maybe last week or the week before where I was telling people like you don't have to respond to every single thing. And and to add to this, what makes it a little bit a little bit a little bit problematic is that. We are trying to get you to expand reach on our stuff, right? We'd be like, hey, when you watch our YouTube videos, leave a comment. That helps a lot. Can't get these damn people to leave a comment. I'm not saying you're you are required to or whatever, but when we're asking you to do the thing we need you to do to help us, you ain't doing it. But then I put up a thing that says like, hey, I'm curious how many people that make content for Magic are up in the Pacific Northwest because I'm thinking of a couple of ideas. Help me out. I get multiple random people that are like, hey, I don't make content, but I live up here and I'm a casual player. Why are you responding to this post? You, you, you're not helping. And I, I even said politely, like, look, hey, for future reference, when people are making posts like this, we're asking for a specific reason. We're trying to get certain information or data. When you're making posts like this, you're not contributing to anything. You're just adding crowd noise that we have to sift through and you're not helping anybody. This like, is literally, hey. 
Hey, I'd like to interview some cats and people just ran into it. Hey, I'm a dog. I'd like to talk to you, but that's not exactly (laughs) not what we asked for. This is literally what we were talking about. And then, like I said, when those people don't go do the other thing you need them to do when you want them to comment, it's like, uh, like, like if you were this eager to comment, go do it over here and you'd help me out and I could make more money. But over here, you're actually making it harder for me to come up with a thing to make more money. Like, please stop. Part two is people that don't follow directions, but then want to be mad at somebody else. Like, and I swear I've seen this in so many things, but I've seen it in Facebook and Twitter a couple of times in the last week. For me personally, I was trying to send out some prizes. Ultra Pro let me give away some playmats and stuff with their new secret layer, uh, little chibi planeswalkers and street fighter mats. And I'm like, great, we'll do this thing. I'll take people's information. I'll send them out some stuff. You would not believe the way, like, and I said specifically, give me your address as you want it to appear on a shipping label, because that's what I do for my streams, right? When people win stuff, they hit me up on Discord, they give me the address, I copy, paste, boom, we're done. 100% items have gotten where they're supposed to go. For whatever reason, I got every weird format stuff that was just single lines of things, people that left off names or zip codes. And I politely sent them a thing back saying, hey, in the future, just to make it easy on all of us that are trying to do giveaways, it would be nice if you formatted your address like this. So I typed their address exactly how it should look. Here you go. And they're like, well, obviously it wasn't a big deal. You already were able to figure it out. I don't even know why you sent that to me. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I'm like, yo, dog, like you're getting something for free. I'm trying to help you, boy. (laughs) We're paying for nothing even. Like, just make our job easy to give you something nice. Like, I don't, like, come on. This is why we can't have nice things. I wasn't even rude about it. I gave them, like, they literally could have just taken my response and said, hey, cool, you're right, I'm sorry. And then just save that, and they could copy and paste it in the future for somebody else whenever they have a thing. (laughs) Like, I literally did the work for them, and there was, I'm like, I don't get it, man. Like, y'all, I've watched people in the store not follow instructions on the damn credit card machine and then be mad at the cashier that the credit card machine is not working. And I'm like, that lady told you three times, insert, don't swipe. But here you are still trying to swipe and complaining that the damn thing won't read the card. Like, like, gosh, damn people. Like just slow down for a second and pay attention to what's happening. That's it. People are trying to help you. People are trying to give you things, but you got, if you ain't following directions, that's on you. And the worst part is, I think those people tend to be so oblivious that they don't even know they ain't following directions. They just want to do things how they do it and then just be mad about it. So, you know, honestly, some of those people I was going to send a bonus thing to, I did not send them bonus thing. So they missed out because they didn't follow directions. But all right, Brian, I'm going to hand this off to you. All right, uh, Greg Gutfield, a comedian, talk show host, has a little gig over at Fox where he kind of tries to provide a conservative alternative to the left, to the kind of left-leaning talk shows. And apparently he had a reporter on there talking a lot. Of course, you broke out the live from Ukraine. And Greg Gutfield told them that the media is exaggerating the conflict in Ukraine so they can make money and tug at people's heartstrings, which is just, 
as, as somebody, you know, it's been in the media for 20 years. I'm not going to tell you that we don't ever get it wrong. I'm not going to tell you that we don't over 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 cover things. CNN, for example, went ridiculous on you might remember the cruise where people were trapped on there for a couple of weeks and yeah got so bad you know that junk was full like literally sewage was coming through the ceiling yeah they covered that as if it was as if it was almost an attack on ukraine so yeah sometimes they go overboard but in a situation like this where we have a crazy dictator threatening a sovereign democracy and oh by the way threatening nuclear, real full-scale nuclear war for the first time since the Cold War ended. I don't think it's possible to exaggerate how important what's going on in Ukraine is. I ain't going to say it's right to slap somebody. (laughs) Right. But if they did get slapped, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Like, this is the stuff where you really have to question how much of what some of these people are saying is authentic and how much is it is just to get a rise out of people because you literally have footage of people being attacked of people capturing soldiers of some soldiers turning on each other. You know, NATO's going in there trying to train people on how to use like rocket grenades or whatever. Like, Civilians are having to just go toe to toe with an invading army. And they said, I think it's from guys from 18 to age 60 are not being allowed to leave Ukraine because they might have to defend against. Oh, dude, they're they're showing where they've shut down schools and stuff and using those as like facilities to make things for to help defend. Like I like this is my problem. And this kind of comes back to, you know, past episode. We talk about conspiracy theories and stuff, right? Like. The sheer effort of literally the world <laughs> to talk about this, share this. Like, everybody's got reporters there. Like, whether you're Australian, English, American, whatever, like, we, they're all doing story. You can see stuff in the pit, and they're not using the same footage. Like, these are actual places they've been at different points of the day and around the country. Like, and the person we're talking about has a history of threatening people and being aggressive and harming his own people and whatever hell they're talking about right now do having 15 years potentially in prison for even protesting the war. Even saying the word war, you had to call it like, you know, a, a maneuver or, or, or frame yeah. Ukraine's invading us when that's last. I saw obviously not true. They had already arrested like 5,000 people, which I'm sure means they're not going to put them all in prison or whatever, but Potentially 15 years just for that, right? You can't, like, I, like if the whole world wanted to just go after Russia, because that, that's the only conspiracy theory that makes sense of like, ah, oh, we're all just making this up so everybody can hate on Putin, right? But like, everybody wants their people to suffer with higher gas prices and having to redo their whole natural refinement resource stuff, like the international markets having to have problems like it, it really <laughs> like this doesn't, yeah it doesn't make sense and i'll say again certainly there are times when the media covers stuff out of proportion for example john a ramsey got far it, it was a it was a terrible story but you know it got far more attention than the numerous 
young girls of color who go missing all the time. <laughs> I, I ain't even going to lie to you. That story still annoys me because like, periodically you'll see that thing pop up every three, four years. And I'm like, really? We're still worried about this like 20 years later? Because, yeah, it, it is something that gets all the clicks. But, you know, you and I, Dequan, are old enough to remember the 1980s where we had nuclear war drills and stuff because we thought it was that serious. I don't, dude, they were teaching us to hide under our desk. I'm yeah, like, they were dumb. Even <laughs> as a kid, I'm drills. like, if somebody blows a bomb, like, what is hiding under our desk going to do? Right. Anybody that's ever played an Atari game with missiles at that point, they're like, no, nah, this, yeah, this, like, this table is just kindling. Yeah. I'm like, what does that do? I mean, at least hiding in a closet or something gives you more structure. Like, what what the hell are you going to do under your desk? I think but he's it, trying to make everybody feel better more than anything. This, like, as far as pertaining to gaming and stuff, we're starting to see a lot of that stuff affect, unfortunately, the regular citizens of Russia. Yeah. With this war, like uh, there's been announcements from I believe it was PayPal, uh, also YouTube. And if you play like they're just cutting off resources to the people like YouTube said straight up anything involved. If you're in the entire country of Russia, like you are not getting any ads on your stuff and you will not be served revenue. My my kids uh, follow a couple of uh, Russian YouTubers, and yeah, they confirm. You know, they they pay attention to this stuff too. Because I mean, we're talking about real realistically for the first time in their lives, <laughs> we're talking about the threat of nuclear war. I yeah. say again, it is not possible to overcover or exaggerate what is happening, right? Because I can see, like, let's say you know, well, let's say some war going on in Africa that. By the way, the conflict in Africa is almost always undercovered by the mainstream media. Yeah. I can see you said, hey, I'm living here, you know, in a, in small city America. How does that civil war in Africa affect me? You got a valid argument. If you just, for whatever reason, don't particularly care about the murder of black people, I can see you saying, okay, yeah, I'm tired of hearing about this. But- when we talk about nuclear war, hey, everybody's got a dog in this fight if you'd like to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. Like I again, to call something like that fake when it's literally affecting us and our peers in the field for different types of content and whatever else, like this isn't something that's made up. Like these are real effects on real people. Yeah, do they think they're CGI and stuff? I don't know. Yeah, and these are people that had nothing to do with this. They didn't want any of this. They don't support it. Like, they just happen to be located in the wrong place. They, they, they just got the unfortunate birthplace of a crappy situation. And it, it's insulting to the people who are going through it and dealing with stuff right now to call it fake when some of them have already lost relatives. You know, or possibly their livelihoods or and I don't even know what's going to happen as far as the currency. The ruble now is worth oh, like yeah. seven tenths of a penny or something. Like where it wasn't I mean, it was like one point six pennies before or whatever. I mean, like it wasn't like a ton, but I mean, it's dropped more than 50 percent. Like they like the whole they may even have to redo their whole financial system and issue new money when this is all done. Like, so I don't even know, like, and, and again, when we're talking about gaming 
and international stuff and esports. I don't even know how these people can participate in the world economy for a while. Like Russia is basically going to be a non-issue for folks for a bit. I would imagine if you're talking about distributing video games or running tournaments or whatever. So like this might've set them back in some ways, several years. And I don't even think we've contemplated that right now. Cause you're talking about whole financial systems and networks and soon to be even travel and whatever, just being completely cut off. Yeah. If you even, you know, do any kind of business with Russia or Ukraine, as many people all over the world do, this, uh, this affects you. So there are so many (laughs) dominoes and things we we don't realize how much we're all linked. I think we're starting to realize because people, you know, people who never follow news are going, to, why is gas, you know, $4 a gallon? What's happening? Yeah. And then yeah. they're starting to follow what's going on. That's just tough, man. I, I don't, I don't even know what you say to people like that. I really don't. But all right, let's share something a little more interesting and tell people about what we learned last week. Cause I think we have some pretty interesting stuff today. Yeah, because I know that that soapbox got a little bit dark. We got something uplifting here. Go for it. I tell you about a couple uh, named William and Ellen Craft. They were they were slaves, and uh, one of the, Ellen Craft actually was the daughter of her of her slave master, which, as you probably know, happened quite often in those days. And she, a lot of times, would get mistaken for you know a white person because she had very fair skin. So uh, her her husband Williams like, hey, wait a second, <laughs> we can use this. So they came up with the idea to impersonate a slave and his master. So since Ellen was the one that was fair skinned, she had to you know pass as the master, and because it wasn't common for women to travel, you know, with their male slaves alone, she had to pass for a white dude. <laughs> So this was a whole, right. she had, you know, she, she, she could sew. So she basically made her own, you know, pants and her own basically slave master costume. And she they cosplayed had to, a slave owner. Yeah, hey, when you try to escape, you do what you got to do, man. I'm down. I'm down. So yeah, she, she had sewed the outfit, had, you know, and they uh, basically because she had obviously very fair and very smooth skin. And, you know, even back in, back in the 1800s, even guys, you know, that owned the plantation probably had kind of rough skin. They decided we're going to cover your skin with bandages. So this will conceal the fact that you have smooth feminine features. Also, most people won't want to talk to you because you see somebody sitting on the train all bandaged up looking like hell. You don't want to strike up a conversation. And the less conversation you have, the more chance they have of this actually working. Yeah. And of course, you know, anytime you travel with, especially with your slave, you got to have papers on your slave and you got to sign for things. Now, being slaves, it was against the law to teach slaves to read in the state of Georgia and most places that had slaves. So they had to come up with a way to conceal that. They put they put her right arm in a sling. So any of the numerous times anybody asked her to show papers or sign some, she was like, hey, look, I'm sick. I'm bandaged up. Leave me alone. They said it worked so well that there were some cases where, you know, porters and people were giving them a hassle. Hey, you got to sign this. We got to see your papers. And other white people would come along and be like, hey, you see that guy's hurt? Leave him alone. Let him and his Negro go, please. You're holding up the line. 
hey, you know, here and here's the thing why that works is who's going to know more about that interaction of slave and slave owners than the actual slaves. Right. They picked up on so many things, you know, that, that I'm sure most white folks hadn't noticed. That's that's pretty smart. That that's one of those things that would probably be an interesting thing to read or watch. Yeah, know? if you if you want to read uh, the article that I researched, it's on SmithsonianMagazine.com. So uh, definitely go cool. and and I, I'm waiting for the movie. I don't know how somebody hasn't made this into what could be the most Oscar baity of movies ever. That's true. It it would be that type of movie for sure. There were so many, just in this article, there are so many places, you know, where there was one point where somebody that rec- that would have recognized William and got on the same train and luckily just didn't make eye contact. There's so many points where they could have easily gotten caught and still managed to get to Philadelphia, earn their freedom, and apparently wrote a book about it. Well, there you go. Mine's a little bit different. I, I believe this was a thing I knew once upon a time, but something reminded me of it. And this is fun for me because, you know, when I've I've told the story before about a lot of my content, I have several viewers and followers from Australia. So anytime I find something fun about Australia, that's always entertaining for me. But uh, kangaroos, which if you don't know about kangaroos, they can be aggressive, uh, a bit ornery, if you will. And they have a very interesting uh, what we call it, a fighting tactic where oftentimes they will try to lure you near water. Because one, they are tall and can just hang around in deep water better than you can. But they are also apparently very adept at drowning things. It's not as much a fighting tactic as it is a murder tactic. <laughs> yeah, which is random as hell and kind of creepy. Yeah. But yeah, when things are chasing them or somebody wants to fight them or whatever, they will actually drown you. I don't know. Like, the weird thing is, at some point, some kangaroo had to have drowned something or someone i don't know the others saw that and they went we should all be doing that (laughs) like you know what i mean like it had to happen first where the other ones went that was damn effective (laughs) like like we need to teach everybody to do this one of those walter white epiphanies or i didn't think that murder technique would work but (laughs) yeah like and imagine how creepy it is if you don't know this is a thing and like, I don't know, you've got your dog or whatever, chase him or whatever. And you see a kangaroo just like holding your dog underwater. Like, what do you do? Like, that's such a random thing, but like, there it is. So yeah, uh, that's a thing. If you didn't know kangaroos now, even scarier because they might drown you. I do. They could kick you and, and beat the brakes off of you. I, the drowning is like, man, yeah, exactly. It's just like one more thing, right? That just falls under that damn nature. You scared. <laughs> but, I mean, for real. Like, why? Why is this the thing you gave kangaroos? Like, yeah, I don't know. Just random. Australia is just dangerous place. And it, it is indeed. If you it, believe it exists. For well, that's true, too. <laughs> if it's even there. But all right, let's get to our weekly topics. We got, I don't know if I would call it a surprise banning more than a, just an unannounced banning that they didn't announce it in advance. But uh, Lurus the Dreamed In is the big part of the banning, banned in Modern and Pioneer, and Galvanic Relay and Disciple of the Vault banned in Popper. 
Now, the popper bannings are kind of one thing. Those are both very popular cards in the format, but that format, I think, will be what it is. I don't think it gives a, like, huge shift. It does change a couple of decks. But Luris being banned in Modern and Pioneer was interesting because, uh, one, there's some Pioneer being played this weekend for one of the uh, Magic Championship events. But also, we have a charity tournament this weekend that also happens <laughs> to be Modern, so I've had to do more research this week. So this was kind of like a crazy time to have the well i'm also trying to do a ton of other content this week so i you know have stuff going out while i'm busy but yeah this kind of shook everybody for the week now of course because we're magic players as much as people are like it's so dumb for wizards to have an announcement of an announcement or whatever and then when they don't people are like well i don't know why they didn't give us advance warning that they were going to do whatever i'm like oh my god people stop like but this was this was one i think was a long time coming i feel like Wizards has really tried to allow companions to be a thing and they've been trying to push through it. But realistically, we have one companion that can't be played in in Commander. We now have a companion that can't be played in multiple formats. And we're talking about Lutri, the one that can't be played in Commander, right? And we have Luris now that can't be played in multiple formats. And then we still have Yorian that occasionally pops up and is just annoying and bothersome and bad for multiple situations so i'm kind of curious if like how would people feel if we just said you know what the companion experiment just didn't work let's just say they're they, you just can't play with companions in 60 card formats period because it, it sort of feels that way at this point because you either have the three or two i guess really yorian and, and luris in the 60 card formats that have any real impact but that's because their upside is so big and then the others don't even really get played because their deck building restriction with very minimal upside by comparison. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to ban the stuff, you know, that, that's janky and doesn't get played. I'd like to keep yeah, by all means, the stuff that's offensive and repressive, I say get rid of, but the stuff that's not played, I'd still like people to have the option to play it. I mostly feel that way, but the more I thought about it, here was the thing. Nobody's playing them now and they haven't, right? I've seen some more they've tried for a little bit. Like, just said, okay, if I play this, it's a free card. I could have this. If the deck just happens to fit it, they're playing one. You know what I mean? It's not They're not going out of their way to build around it. But it's like, oh, if I just switch one card, I can have a free bonus creature. So I get it. But let's think, be honest. The majority of Magic cards don't get played. A lot sure, of them sure, are just sure. for fun. But here's the difference for me. That when these finally, if at some point in the future they get played, it's probably going to be because they're degenerate in some way. You know what I mean? Like, we're, I, I just don't feel like there's going to be a time where we're going to look at most of these and say that, okay, now we're just going to start playing this, right? Like, we're only going to start playing, like, I don't know, Umari or Obosh because something came out that made them ridiculous. Otherwise, nobody's ever going to play them. Or if you want to make a YouTube video, you may play them. <laughs> Oh, it's on my list of things. Yeah. Like, believe me, I'm sure I'll get people fired up about that. I'm just like, hey, what if we just get rid of companions, right? <clears throat> but yeah, I don't know. I, it's And I know that's a strong opinion. But really, like I said, I can't think of a scenario where we're just going to like casually play Obosh, right? Or just casually play Umari. Like, again, if it just happens to fit the deck, all right, I get a bonus free creature and that's, cool i guess but 
even then we're not really taking advantage of it. But when we are taking advantage of it, it's probably going to be degenerate, and that's why we want it. Well, what's Hence, the one that boosts cats? Because I try to – every time a new cat comes out, I put that deck back oh, together. Oh, you're talking about Kahira. Yeah. But again, you'll play Kahira if it's already a cat deck and there's no wrong value. You just get a free creature out of it, right? So then it's worth just playing Kahira. So, yeah, I don't know. how. Like, it's it's probably fine to leave the others. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I just feel like they're going to be cards to just sit around that we know once they get played, we're probably going to end up banning those two. Now, I can't think of a scenario of what that would be that gets them banned. Like, I don't know what makes you want to play Obosh over something else, like over some deck building restriction or whatever. It would have to be insane. So it probably never happens. But I don't know. I feel like the companions, like from day one, we all knew it was insane. They changed up the rule of companions and basically they all became unplayable except for two. You know, so it, it's just a failed experiment, I think. But it's it's fine. Like I said, Lurus getting banned hopefully opens up the format a little bit. Uh, you know, we'll find out. People are going to be making last minute changes for these past two days. You know, probably all the way up until Thursday, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's the deadline. I guess there was a point where people would have had to submit their deck list already. And then I don't know we'll see what happens with this but you know we have an event this weekend where you know you literally have up until 9 a.m on saturday to submit your deck list so we'll see what happens with that but yeah hopefully this is a good thing and i think opening up the world where more decks more cards more variety is cool uh i think the bigger problem is right now if you talk about modern people complain about the two modern horizon sets having cards that were so pushed that they've pushed some other things out of the format so that's kind of a different question. Uh, I think really the target now in multiple formats is going to be Ragavan. Uh, I think that's the next problem card people are targeting at this point because it's showing up in so many lists. And I think that card makes other things not really be playable. I mean, Liliana the Veil, which is a very good magic card, really is borderline unplayable in modern right now, which is crazy to even say out loud. So we'll see where things go. But there was an interesting conversation that came up this week that I think makes uh, for good talking points here on our next topic. Uh, for those of you who don't follow YouTuber Roberto Blake, he's a good source of perspective i would say on content creation more than anything else he has a lot of good tips and stuff too but i think just the way he thinks about things the way he presents things uh he's been doing this for a while now on youtube he's got a podcast a youtube channel i think he has like six llcs that he's making money from from various things so the dude knows knows what he's doing can confirm like before as we were talking about this on the pre-show and uh as soon as Daquan started talking about it, you know we, we independently of Daquan was just like oh yeah I know Roberto love all Roberto stuff so I can confirm everything Daquan said yeah dude even uh, matter of fact he uses the uh whatever the new platform is thing they have have on Twitter to do like the audio teaching lessons or audio shows I forgot what they call that service but it's a built-in thing into Twitter now. He was using that last week, and I listened to one of his things. So he's he's very active, aggressive, experiments with things. You know, he he's he's on top of it. 
And there's been a subject I've questioned, but he he put it into real good perspective. But basically the question is, are ad blockers on content a form of theft? And and on the surface, you kind of say, well, no, of course they're not theft or whatever. But when you really break it down, and, and I'm going to bring this back around to magic here in a second. But when you when you really break it down, that you are going to somebody's content, whether we're talking about a stream, a YouTube channel, you're reading their articles, whatever. You're going there for most part, at least weekly, but a lot of times, multiple times a week. If you know their main revenue is getting ads on their stuff for you to get that effectively for free. Are you not keeping them from making money while still getting the benefit of their efforts? If so, that does kind of qualify as a form of theft. You are taking their work, their effort, their energy, their time, and refusing to allow them to be compensated the way they get compensated. Now, I get it if you have subscribed to their channel on on Twitch or on Facebook or whatever, like you're a YouTube member where you pay them a buck or two or whatever, because then you're paying for the experience already. So I'm not including those people. I'm just saying the people that don't have a financial investment and also are blocking all the ads because now you're not contributing at all to their financial state. But. In terms of magic, Star City let a bunch of writers go. And I've seen various discussions of some of them trying to start their own website, some of them trying to get together to do a thing. Some portion of what they're doing is going to be ads. Right? And you want them to be compensated because you're here saying like, well, they should have been paid from Star City, blah, blah, whatever. But when now when you go to their private projects that they are going to try to be getting paid from, you're going to be keeping them from making money for doing the thing that you want to still appear because you're mad. It doesn't appear on star city anymore. Preach. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you want this thing that they are putting effort into and you were saying they are valuable and you're saying they should be valuable to that website they were on, but now they're going to go do it on their own to say, yes, I agree. Enough people say I should be valuable. I will go get paid over here, but now you're going to be blocking some of the things that would allow them to get paid. So do you really believe they are that valuable? Like, I mean, these, these are real questions. Like, I, I like I think it's a thing that people haven't really thought about. I think everybody thinks something is value is valuable as long as someone else is paying for it. Well, yeah, that's sort of what this comes down to. Right. Like, at what point do you either pay for that service or at least sit through the ad so they can get paid? And we talked about this a little bit last week in terms of content creation. I mean, you know, I, I I'm still shocked that people aren't willing to sit through a 15, 20 second ad to support a creator whose work they claim they enjoy. I think well, half the ads on YouTube you can click through after five seconds. Yeah, I think a lot of people probably just have it thought about, you know, in terms of oh wait, this is their job. <laughs> Like if I came into your store and said, you know, I would love to support you. I love what you do for the community. You contribute to charitable causes and things. I just don't want to wait in line for five minutes to support you. I'm, I'm going to, you know, Costco or wherever. 
Dude, I, I can one up that. We have had, had multiple times where we'd be shut down. It's 15 minutes after close. Somebody pulls up to the door and we're like, yo, man, sorry. We've already started cleaning up. We've already shut down the register or whatever. Like, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to use a use a credit card. Blah, blah. I was like, man, really? I'm trying to send my people home. You know, well, you know, I know exactly what I want. All right, fine. Let them in. Right. Then they just stroll around for 15 minutes. They're picking up the back of every D&D book. They're looking at the back of every board game, you know, whatever. And then they're like 20 minutes later. All right, man. Well, thanks for letting me in. And then just walk the hell out. And it's like, wow. well, now you cost me extra money because you went and got the floor dirty again. You now cost me employee hours because, you know, we're going to have to reclean everything, re- reset everything on the shelf that you moved around. Like you cost us some amount of utilities because we stayed here an extra 20, 30 minutes. Well, longer than that, because we're going to stay after you. Yeah. Right. And then bought nothing. But you were happy we were there and you came in, you learned some stuff reading the games, you chit chatted with us, whatever. You got your experience and then didn't even get like a buy a courtesy item. Not a soda on the way out, not a (laughs) a booster pack, nothing. That's kind of like the physical equivalent. You know, like you came in, you used the facilities, whether that's a YouTube video, a stream, read the articles, whatever. You got all the information, whatever, and entertainment value out of it and then contributed nothing. Even when it was free to you to contribute, other than giving up probably over the course of a YouTube video, like 35 seconds. You didn't even want to give that. So, like. It kind of is theft. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a different type of theft and we don't really think about it that way, but it kind of is theft. And and here's the thing too. And and we were looking at at numbers earlier. But if you subscribe to YouTube Premium, I think formerly YouTube Red, I think is what they used to call it. I'm glad they changed the name cuz YouTube Red just sounded like it was some kind of exotic service or something. Honestly, I think it sounded too close to some uh adult services yeah that's what i wanted to get away from what i said exotic (laughs) yeah yeah so but youtube premium and this is a thing people don't know but like i went and looked at my numbers earlier i know that a very large percentage of my viewers probably don't have youtube premium but youtube premium makes up like 10 percent of my revenue or 10 percent of the revenue i would get from the ad equivalents so as an example, if I were to get $500 from ads on YouTube, I'm getting $50 from people that use YouTube premium, which means YouTube is giving, I'm assuming a very large percent of that money they get from that YouTube premium membership to creators. So if you wanted to support all these people that you're watching, following, whatever, subscribe to something, subscribe to the channel. Like some, hell, I have a thing on my YouTube channel that's as little as 99 cents. If you just want to subscribe and then you can add block all you want. At least you contributed a buck. It was 99 cents. I'm sorry. (laughs) For real, though, it was just 99 cents. Right. But I mean, I don't think that's unreal. Now, it's a little tough if you follow, I don't know, 40 YouTube channels a month or whatever. Like, I get it. But how bad I I, I'm trying to think like how bad Now there are some sites. Don't get me wrong. That just barrage you with ads. Like there's there's some I'm when I'm trying to research stuff for the show or whatever, I end up on news sites or whatever. It's like, oh, this pop up video 
this whole like slide down ad <laughs> and then there's a banner pop up halfway through me reading and but like okay that I get. If you're using ad blocker for that, I do not fault you at all. Yeah. Like it definitely is your responsibility as a creator to not just have, hey, look at this, look at here, over here, look at this. Like, yeah. almost like a like a NASCAR uniform. <laughs> if I can't even read more than two paragraphs at a time, and I am not a slow reader, like without having to click off an ad, or hell, heaven forbid, I can even figure out how to make the ad go away from my screen. Because there's some of those where I'm like, I guess I click the X. And it's like, nope, that popped open a window. <laughs> Let me, well, now I click the thing, but the whole screen's grayed out. So now I have to like scroll up or scroll down to try to find out where the actual close thing is for the ad or whatever. And it's like, oh, my God. You're so in that, an MC Escher painting. Just everything. You pull one thing. Exactly. comes down. So I'm not being unreasonable. Like there are experiences and websites where I think you you have like using an ad blocker does have a purpose. But I think if you're using an ad blocker, it's not unreal that if you can go in and set your your features or sites to exclude, it should be the sites that you are consuming free content on. Because don't get me wrong, I get it that some people, especially right now, we're talking about like gas going up and rent going up and whatever. Some people don't have a lot of extra money. And I, I get that. So if you can't afford to subscribe for, I don't know, $5 on somebody's Facebook gaming or Twitch channel, whatever. Cool. Hell, some people may not even have the dollar to subscribe to some YouTube things or whatever, or Patreons, right? I get that. But at least exclude those sites from your ad blocker to allow the people you do like, the people that are giving you free entertainment to enhance your life, to give you just enjoyment among your hard times, the opportunity to make a few more bucks. And again, I get it. You're, the argument's going to be, well, all they're going to get from me is like two cents or whatever per view on their channel. And blah, blah. Like, yeah, sure. We know. Believe me, we know. <laughs> but when you're talking about, okay, let's say the bigger they get, the more people that are going to be like you, being you being the person with the ad blocker, right? So that becomes exponentially more money they are not getting for the effort they're putting out. And at the end of the year, that might be three, four, five hundred, a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars that they didn't get throughout the year because some people were putting up ad blockers. So it's very easy to say, like, oh, well, they'd only be getting this from me. I'm like, okay, cool. Now, my channel's not the premium example because I put stuff out every day. But let's say you are watching my stuff every day, right? And each one of those, let's say, is a, a two cent view. And you do that all year. Well, that's two cents times 365 days. Sometimes I have multiple. Actually, I know the number. It's actually almost 1.4 pieces of content per day on my YouTube channel. So lots more than that. Well, we'll just say it's about 450-ish pieces of content times two cents. Now that starts to become a real number, right? Now multiply that. Let's say I have, I don't know, conservative, because I don't have a huge file. Let's say I have 50 people that do that. Well, now we're talking, what's that, $400 potentially at the end of the year? I didn't get because people had their ad blockers on. And you know what? $400 pays for new software. That pays for a new camera. That can, that can pay for a lot of things when you're a content creator. 
in Texas, you know, third or fourth of an electric bill. Well, yeah, exactly. After last like, winter, almost a half a tank again. <laughs> but for real, I'm just saying, like, if, if you know, when you're talking about you're struggling and man, I want to upgrade and get new lights or I want to get something for my background or maybe I want to pay somebody to, I don't know, some course or some lessons or whatever, like that could have bought that for somebody. So it doesn't seem like a lot, but it is theft and it does have an effect. So I'm not saying ad blockers are outright wrong, because like I said, there are some sites that are egregious and you, you, you all, they're almost borderline unusable without an ad blocker. So I totally get it. But when there are people that are directly benefiting from the ads that you enjoy, that are giving you value and enhancing your life, please consider turning it off for those websites because it genuinely is costing people money. And I, I don't know what the total number is, but like I said, on a reasonable example for mine, like that could be a real number. You know, so just, just something to think about. But all right, let's move along from that because we still have a couple other things to cover. One thing we want to do take a quick break here on the show to kind of start taking suggestions here. And for those of you that are on our Patreon, this is kind of calling out to y'all hit up our discord and give us suggestions for who you want on the show. Now, per our Patreon, we will give some higher priority to the higher tier patrons because that's part, part of the rewards, assuming the people they want clear vetting. <laughs> but one of the reasons, and I know some people ask, like, why have we not had as many guests on as we did early on? And part of that was as we started reaching out to people, and I think we talked about it a little bit, was there were some scheduling issues and COVID got in the way a couple of times with a couple of people. You know, people's job situations were changing, their family situations, dealing with school. And we decided, OK, probably not worth. Let's just chill for a while. We'll do our own thing for a bit. Let COVID kind of ride its course or run its course. And now that we're kind of getting on the backside and people seem to be getting more situated, we're having some conversations with folks that seems like they're starting to be more available for things or whatever, and their life's more in a normal routine. So now we can start checking out people and seeing like, hey, who are some interesting folks in content? Who are some folks that maybe have some cool products that we would be worth covering on the show? Maybe people who've gone some, through some things. Maybe somebody who has an interesting COVID story, right? Let us know. We're actually... Really curious because we we've had people on the show for all different things. You know, we've had people that came on just to talk about certain issues. We've tried to cover women in content creation. Hell, we had an epidemiologist on just to talk about COVID, right? And how that whole thing was going. You if you go back, you know, Mike Wildspeaker talking about his like high school program, after school program, where he's like teaching the kids magic to keep them out of trouble and whatever. Right. So Anything can be covered as long as it, it fits the topics or something going on that's topical. So, yeah, give us some suggestions. We want to hear what not, you got. Not to humble brag, but I mean, we have done some we have done some topics I couldn't get done at newspapers that I worked at. So, well, that's the benefit of that's the benefit of kind of running your own shindig. You right. know, you can have a little bit more power like that. But yeah, for sure. Let us know. It's. Because, I mean, I have some ideas, but I'm also curious who you as listeners find interesting uh, and whatnot. Also, I, I kind of this reminds me uh, while you're listening, why don't you pause for a second? Go to wherever you download our show 
and give us a five-star review and put something nice about the show because more reviews help us be found as well through their uh, recommendation systems whenever people are like, hey, I kind of want to find a new magic podcast. Well, if everybody goes and reviews us well, then we get recommended more often. And that's a big deal right now because for some reason, and I noticed the numbers were kind of off a little bit for a couple of weeks. And then I had some people saying like, hey, Apple Music hasn't pushed your thing to me in the last couple of weeks. So I went back through and I double checked everything, made sure everything was still connected to Apple, to Spotify, Google Play, blah, blah. So everything should be good. And I did see a couple of people say they did this last week, end up getting a late push of the stuff out to them. So I guess it's working now again. I don't know what would have changed, but this will help out, kind of get us back on track if y'all could do that for us. That happened to us, actually. <laughs> we got a, a late, extremely late notification. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what's up, uh, but I've I've seen that on other platforms as well. It's something we've talked about where, for whatever reason, I've been on Twitch and there's people I know I followed that I just magically wasn't following. You know, there's been people on YouTube I know I subscribe to because we're friends, and I magically was unsubscribed to them. I don't know how it happens. I just know it's a thing that happens periodically. So hopefully everything's back on track. But yeah, if y'all could give us a positive rating and a little review. That would help out a bunch. And just make it like a two-sentence review. That's all it's got to be. Just something that's significant enough that they know it's not like a bot posting a thing. You know what happened this week, Brian? What's that? The Hunter Burt Memorial Open. Uh, this, this is... And we kind of bring it up a couple times leading up to it every year. But this, this is like... This has kind of become the premier magic tournament. And, and honestly, they've added other events now, so it's not even just Magic, but one of the premier events for the whole, like, South-Southwest region. And genuinely, when we were there last time, I think they said they had people from 16 different states. So people are coming from all over for this event. And I talked to multiple people that say, like, I don't even actively play Magic that much anymore. I keep a deck or two just to come back to this every year. You know, some people say, I show up just because of the cause. Yeah, you know, it, it's such a cool thing and like i've said before like it's the only event i know of where i don't see anybody who's just outwardly salty after a loss like don't be wrong there's some people like ah man i wish i could have won ah, i wish i would have top deck whatever but everybody's friendly people are shaking hands people are introducing themselves people are hanging out after games giving advice like it's a whole different vibe which is crazy because it's like a big chunk of the people I know from doing other games and events and magic <laughs> stuff and whatever. But for some reason, the mindset, I think, from when people show up knowing that you're raising money for suicide awareness and prevention and, you know, the opening statements of people sharing stories as to why they're running the event and how we got to be there or whatever. I think everything just sets the tone to where you don't want to be that person. You know what I mean? Like you, yep. you want to be with this positive vibe and people raising money and all these fun charity auctions and stuff going on and whatever. And you be the one person everybody looks at and goes like, what's up with that guy? And what's cool is this year, like I said, they've added flesh and blood. Uh, I, there was some other, I think they added another game. I want to say Pokemon. Maybe I'm not hundred percent sure. I know there is a uh, rock, paper, scissors side event for people who don't play any games and want to just get <laughs> in on something. That's so, epic. Yeah, so they're trying to do all kinds of stuff to keep it fun and interesting. There's going to be vendors there. The, ho the awesome, the hotel is literally connected, not even next door, literally in the same building as the event. Like you, I, and that was the best part about when we did the one last year, because, you know, we're still in COVID and I was kind of like, eh, you know, but I was going to be doing commentary away from people for the most part. But I literally didn't have to touch planet Earth if I didn't want to. 
I literally drive up to the building, go upstairs, go to my hotel room when it was time to work, went downstairs when it was done, go back to the hotel room. It was great. Like, so if you're worried about that, you it's it's solid. But yeah, credit to Joe Klopchik, to Aaron Giddings. Like they they put a lot of work into this. They're talking about extending their efforts to different schools and uh, game stores who want to do events in the same kind of vein to raise money. So yeah, just everything about it's cool. But if you want to check it out, it's HunterBurtonMemorialOpen.com, just like it sounds. You can go to their website and make a donation if you can't be there. Feel free to show up for the weekend, even if it's just to donate or buy something in one of the charity auctions or whatever, buy some art, whatever. Or you can catch it on their stream as well at twitch.tv slash Hunter Burton Memorial Open. So yeah, check that out. It's going to be a damn good time. Matter of fact, Brian, you should probably come out and like let people see you for the first time. <laughs> like we we kind of made you pseudo famous now during COVID. Yeah, I will absolutely take pseudo famous. That's a step <laughs> on the path to being black famous. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes though, black famous can be profitable, right? <laughs> Hell, you, you could be. Well, sometimes you eclipse black famous and you just become Tyler Perry. Yep. <laughs> Everybody know the deal, dude. I like. For real, side note, people don't I don't think people realize like Tyler Perry ain't rich. He's wealthy. Yeah, it's like, insane. The dude literally like people don't know this, but he owns an entire recording studio lot now in in Atlanta. Like he has a li- like you have to drive a golf cart around this whole facility and they literally film TV shows and everything in this spot that he owns. And what's cool is it was like redone they had like old buildings there from like some civil war stuff and whatever that they had to fix up and you know decide what they wanted to keep and whatnot like it was there's a whole story to it but yeah a couple of years ago i want to say it was just pre-covid actually that he got it up and running and credit to that guy because if you'd have told me from them damn Medea movies hell 15 years ago or whatever that would have turned into this yo like no way i would have called that so credit to that guy he, he went into a space where not a lot of people were making content because, you know, they, they we talked about it on the podcast, how they just do, hey, you know, black movie, where to some extent they consider Tyler Perry and Black Panther to be the same kind of movie because they think of them as black movies. And sometimes, you know, left to their own devices, Hollywood doesn't do very many black movies unless somebody points out, hey, y'all hadn't. See, well, we got 10 movies coming out this week. None of them appeal to black people. Oh, yeah. Call them a deal. But you know what? That's the craziest part of it, right? We keep hearing that, and we keep seeing that with studios. But when you do do a thing, it makes a bunch of money. Right? And yet they yeah. still forget we're here. As soon Hell, as even on Fox, up. they had, what's his name, 50 Cent's TV show, Power or whatever right? it was. That thing was huge for, what, like five seasons or something. They made all kinds of money on that show. So, yeah, there's opportunity. But seriously, if y'all haven't checked it out, check out Hunter Burt Memorial Open this weekend. Uh, very least, you can hop over to their Twitch channel. Like I said, I'll be doing commentary. But yeah, check it out. It's a good thing to donate to and such an awesome cause and great people for sure. But now, time to break out the dishes. And this is going to be kind of a very serious conversation here. Not not heavy, but serious. And. It comes up because right now, again, we're kind of getting back to 
people starting to hire more people, you know, money starting to flow again for a few extra projects. We're starting to see some people reach out for some online effort stuff. And the question kind of comes down, and I guess I'll let you start here, Brian, but how do you feel about being the token diversity member for a project or an effort? You know, somebody saying, hey, look, we know we need more diversity. We need more color, whatever. We want you to be that person on our show. I mean, because this has come up because we've had a lot of people that are like, hey, we want to do a D&D web show, but it's all white people. It'd be cool if we could have like one of y'all on, you know. All right. You know, but is that good, bad? Do you just take the bag? You know, like, how do, how do you feel about it? Because, uh, you know, I, I, there's, as we talked about in, in numerous instances, when you're the first black person that, that's gone into that space, you know, you you don't want to be the last. <laughs> so you, 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 you I think I know my first instinct is to say yes, because, hey, if it doesn't work out, I feel like they may not ask anybody else, you know. <laughs> That's that's a fair point. And I don't want to just close the door, even if something I feel like I might not want to do. I, I don't want to close the door for everybody that comes after me. And sometimes if you say no, that is essentially what you're doing, because, it's, hey, we tried. You know, they do want to do it. You know, I, man, it's funny you bring that up because I know I have taken some opportunities that I didn't terribly want but I knew I was a good example for what they needed. And and that, and that's a tough spot to be in where you're like, ah, I don't really want to do this, but like there's nothing wrong with it. But I know there's a chance that if you get somebody else, they're going to be worse. And I don't want to be lumped in with that bad example that people will use that person to represent. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm the person for the job. Right. And I don't be wrong. I still get my best effort and whatever. Like, I'm not going to half ass it because I know that's worse. Right. <laughs> don't don't take it unless you're going to give it your all. But it, but it does create some situations, right? Because it's OK, you're bringing me on. But how involved am I going to be? How adversarial do I want to be if something comes up? Right. Like, what's the demographic of your audience? That kind of matters. Yeah. I, I feel the same way like you just said, because, you know, you, I was just showing me this. I was raised to whether there's a thousand people in the audience or 10 people. You give your best. You do the same kind of show. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I'm not going to half-ass it. If, yeah. if I'm going to do the show, I'm going to do or the or, you know, the, the whatever the thing, whatever the project is, I'm, I'm going to do the show. But I think this is a good topic, right? Because there's people who are genuinely trying to do right. Right. They're saying like, hey, we get it like we don't have you know, we have a bunch of middle aged white dudes on our show. Right. We, we need more women. We need more LGBT folks. We need more people of color. We need more indigenous folks, whatever. But they're also trying to not come off as placating too much. You know, they're trying to be genuine in their efforts. And I think that's what makes it difficult when when you're the first because they don't have a blueprint. And in some ways, they're kind of trusting you to, to be the example or whatever. But that's why I asked like, okay, well, what do your demographics look like? You know, cause if your audience is, let's say 3% African-American or black, right? Like, okay, well then there's certain jokes that may hit pretty well or not, 
or there's certain things they might be comfortable with me bringing up or not. But if your audience is like a quarter of a percent black, well, then you probably need a little bit of a different presentation out of me. You know, and it sucks that that's true, but I mean, trying to put this in a polite way, but like, I guess how I brought up last week, right? You don't want to be too urban in the wrong settings. I was, yeah, I was just about to say, don't want to get in there being too urban with your Snoop Doggy Dog references. But, but it's true though, right? Like you, you, you do have to be aware of that. And I think that's the tough part when you talk about tokenism, right? And, and to be fair, I don't think necessarily tokenism is bad unless it's being limited, right? If, if I end up being the only black person on your project because I just happen to be the black person you know or that you trust or whatever. Okay, cool. But if I'm the only black person because you got your one and then you don't care to ever have any more, that's a whole different problem. Because now you're saying, okay, we did the thing to check the box. As opposed to we would like to have more on the show, but I don't know anybody that's worth bringing on. You know what I mean? And you do sometimes have to be that person, like you said, to like open that door and whether the project succeeds or fails, you want there to be a positive taste in their mouth. So they're at least willing to try it again next time. I've uh, a situation that I've, I've brought. I don't know if I brought it up on, on this show before, but there was a case where, you know, obviously we've talked about black history month and how people just, it's not just, you know, pod it's, I'm talking about major TV stations, newspapers, sometimes realize they don't have any black friends. <laughs> and Black History Month is when they realize that. Yeah. I, I, I literally had somebody say, like, dude, I've been watching all these TV shows and this stuff on, like, YouTube and stuff, and I'm realizing, like, you're the only black guy I ever really hang out with. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, I mean, and we're proud of you. You know, you did become aware enough to make that realization. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do got to fix that. And some of it, some of it's tough. I get it. Like if you live in, I don't know, South Carolina, you know, that is very white, conservative, Christian, whatever. And there's already not a lot of people of color to even be around. And you happen to be in hobbies or things or activities that happen to also be predominantly white. Like it's going to be very hard to extend that reach. You know, when you go to start a project, unless you are actively searching for people of color, you're just kind of going to get who you get and they're going to be predominantly white. That's just going to be what it is. Yeah. Because the thing I was I was working on, it was, you know, it was going to be a Black History Month story. And as I get not even halfway through it, I realized there's just not a lot of there there this person really hasn't done anything that i feel comfortable putting pen to paper and saying that this is you know it's going to be a good black history month story because i realized that at that point they just this was the i think they kind of this person pitched some of their ideas right probably like january 25th and got hey yeah you can be a black history month profile because the editors hadn't thought about it until then. And it's awkward to be the black person that wants to go in and tell the white people, yeah, this isn't a good black history month story. They're going to be like, but this person's black. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean it's not a good story? Because And that's when you know that pre in previous years, that's been the only qualification to get a story is, hey, you had to be black and know somebody that worked at this company. <laughs> 
You know, and, and I'm going to be honest, that's one of the reasons when I saw that Facebook was, okay, we're going to do this black content creator program for a couple of years. We're going to do this thing. Like, I was like, cool. I wanted to be part of it for two reasons. One, that I felt like I was positive and could be a good experience for whoever's going to be checking that or whatever. But also that, okay, you're also bringing a group of black creators in, not just like, hey, we're going to go get a couple of them so we can say we support some black creators or whatever. Right. And that makes the whole effort a little bit easier. Like even in the discord we're in, there's some things people are talking about, some terminology they use, you know, whatever that I think makes them feel comfortable because there's some other number of creators that can relate to what they're dealing with or understand what they're going through or understand their language. And that has has an importance. But when you're the only one, you kind of carry that banner for all those people. Yeah. So and we said all the time, you know, we're not a monolith. Brian and Daquan do not speak for the entire black community, nor would we, you know, pretend to. Like, I, we, we can't speak for women. You know, I'm married to a woman. I was raised, but still, there's just some things I can't explain that have happened to women. But that also becomes the other part of that story, right? Is that when you are the one, and that's why I say you have to ask about demographics and other things or the purpose of the project or whatever and get as much information as you can because what I bring or what you bring or what the next person going to bring might be three distinctly different personas that may or may not speak to the target person, demographic, whatever that you're trying to reach. You know, like if they brought you on and they're like, yeah, we're trying to get like the, I don't know, South Central LA black audience or whatever. You're, yeah, you're, too, right? Like, you see song and mist. Hard. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, it, it does matter not even just being the one representative, you know, if you will. But it's also kind of, okay, what are you bringing me on for? You know, that that's the stuff I ask about, you know. And I tell people, there's a bunch of things I've helped, you know, people, even with, like, industry stuff. People have worked on diversity programs or how to change stuff with their stores or whatever. And we've had a lot of these conversations in private back and forth and whatever. And those are the type of things that come up a lot. Okay. Like, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? Are you just trying to get hire more diverse people? Are you trying to get involved with more diverse projects, communities, groups? Like, what are we trying to do? Because each of these things may have a different effort or need or even a different person, right? Because I'm not going to be the right person for some of these things, right? So I don't particularly have a problem being the, the token representative but I need to, one, if you're being open about it, that's already a positive, right? If you're saying like, hey, here's what we're trying to do. We haven't done a good job in the past. We got to start somewhere. All right, cool. Like, I got no problem with that. I don't think there's any shame in that. I don't think there's any problem in that. Like, it's saying, hey, we know there's an issue and a problem and a need. And hell, it can be profitable to us, whatever, right? You, you're aware of the situation. All right, cool. I'm down. Now let's just talk about what you actually need from me. And can I actually provide the thing to help you get there other than just be black and be seen? You know what I mean? Because sometimes that is the case. There's like, hey, we want you to be part of this photo shoot so we can show there's actually black people who live here or whatever. Right. Like sometimes that's a thing. And then you have to make that personal decision of like, am I willing to dance for that bag? And I will say there have been times, you know, when I've maybe been the only black person, sometimes not even intentional. It's just they were, you know, kind of looking for 
people that, that worked for this particular publication or, or station or whatever, and just end up, we end up making a connection, end up working together on other projects. Yeah, that's true. I mean, sometimes you're the accidental token. I mean, you just happen that like, and that's honestly sometimes a good thing, right? They hired you for other things. And then we're like, oh, okay, yeah. And you get there and realize, oh, yeah, you are the only black guy in the office. <laughs> right? like, like, I guess we didn't really notice until right now. Right. Okay. How long have you been black? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, and here's, a, here's an interesting thing, Brian, like that because of your name, it's very possible they don't even know you're black till you get into the interview. Right. There's nothing, uh, you know, my mom clearly wanted me to get a job. She gave me pretty much the most generic, it, it's, it's almost to my detriment because there are 15 million people named Brian Allen. So I really can't even Google myself with any. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've told you before, like I even did the personal experiment of, I sent out a series, and this is when I didn't even need the job, but I sent out a series of applications with my my normal name and my nickname, which sounds much more white, and made the ones with my nickname purposely worse. And the ones with my nickname got more callbacks, responses, whatever, than my regular ones. Just a better fit for the culture. Oh, even even when I put like the other one was asking for more money, whatever, didn't make a difference. Like I did it wow. two different times. And both times that was a result. And then I started looking around online and other people have done the same experiments, exact same thing. Like no matter what they did, when there was a difference of, I guess you want to call it an ethnic name or a non-ethnic name, the non-ethnic name got more contacts. Like I, it's a thing. Yeah. And I do want to, I guess in response to the example you gave originally, you know, if anybody wants me to play D and D with them, I absolutely would love to do that. Cause I've, I've seen people play D and D. I have, believe it or not, nerdy as I am, I have never personally played D and D myself. So, Hey, oh, I played a few times. It's fun. Uh, the thing, the thing I think that we still haven't seen that we're, some people are kind of working toward is can we get to a world where there is a fully diverse group, you know, with some equal or reasonable representation from the production level down to the players? We don't have that yet. I don't, I mean, there are now getting to where there's enough because that was part of it too. We had to kind of build the industry, right? Yeah. There's enough people there now that that could be a thing. But the closest thing we have right now is you do have a couple of shows that have one or two people on them. And we have had some people who have streams that have brought on all people of color to do some stuff. So it's, it's getting there, you know, and I'm not saying like have a show with no white people either. I'm saying like, yeah, have <laughs> a couple of white people on there, but you know, have, you know, an indigenous person, a black person, an Asian person, whatever, as just a full group and say, okay, this is the group we're playing with. Here's our DM. You know, we've got, I don't know, uh, a Middle Eastern cameraman and we've got a Mexican producer and we got, you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Just like the whole cast and crew is from all over. I think that would be pretty cool if that could ever happen. But I think we're still a little bit away from that, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, I don't, I don't generally have a problem. And I think because in many points in my life, I have already been the token representative for things. So I don't, I don't think I personally have a problem with it, but I'm I've done it enough now that for me, it's a matter of, OK, what is my point and purpose here? 
right? As a business I'm, owner, you had to be. You know, you yeah. were the, the, in a lot of cases the only brother that owned his own business in a certain area or in a certain space. So absolutely. But even then, when I went to certain events or people wanted me in to be on committees or whatever, I asked a lot of questions. You know, just to make sure I'm the right fit for what you're trying to do. But outside of that, I think, like I said, generally when people are open and positive about it, I don't think it's really a problem. I mean, I tell you, when it's just like, well, you know, we just know we needed some black people involved or whatever. And it's like, okay. I'm, so you really don't want anything other than me to just be there. And, you know, to be real, I'm going to be honest with you. If the money's big enough, I'm like, you just want me in a picture. Like, I could be mercenaried out. Don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm going to be real. I'm not going to lie to people. Like if, if they're like, yeah, we just needed you in some pictures or whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, but it's going to be like $1,500 for like three hours. I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like whatever, let's do it. Like I know, I know what the situation is. And if somebody asks me about it, I'll be honest with them. And could you drink this malt liquor? <laughs> yeah. Like that, that might be a problem. Like if you're like, yeah, we're going to give you these cool filter Kings and we need to get a hold of this bottle of Miller high life. And you know, I'd be like, ah, I don't know. That's a bit much. I don't know if I could do that, but you, you know, you can make it 4k then like maybe, you know, <laughs> Hey, I'm just saying the, the more, the more stereotypical you want it to be, the more it's going to cost you. That's all I, I'm see, I see the plan coming into fruition. Next week, you're going to have a bunch of ball liquor and filtered cool ads on your channel. So don't use ad blocker on them, please. Shoot. I'm just, <laughs> hey, if, if one of them rolls up in my DMS right now on Twitter is like, we'll give you 50 K for a month's worth of ads or whatever. You'd be damned if I don't take it. Hey, I'm I'm honest. I am not gonna Ooh. lie to you. Like you make the bag big enough, I'll take it. I'll be honest about it when people ask me. You know, if like, dude, I didn't know you smoke. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but they're paying me to tell you about their cigarettes. Like, I'm I don't, actually I don't know. Being real, I probably wouldn't do it for a cigarette ad. Like now that I'm thinking about it, I probably wouldn't. I think I dislike cigarettes so much. I don't even know it. I, <sighs> I'm, I'm to the point even, now, I feel like, hey, you should know that they have had on the side of the package since I was a kid, this stuff will kill you. You're, if you're still smoking it, that's on you at this stage. I, don't, I think like, the thing is, I, 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 you know, I'm a big believer in the million dollar man's philosophy. <laughs> like everybody's got a price. Right? Did like, you see my video today? Was that a shout out? Or did you no, just, or did you, I, didn't okay. know, I didn't get to watch your video yet. I've been making content all week myself. So see? I haven't even looked up for a second, but if you make the number big enough, I think it would be hard for me to say no, but I think for cigarettes, that's a pretty rough one for me. So I'd, I'd probably have a little bit of a hard time. Like, and now again, once you get above six figures, uh, you know, Morals get compromised. That's all I'm saying. They're, they're going to test us. We're both going to have vape pen ads in our DMs the second this goes live. Because, hey, we're going to see what your price is. Next week's dinner table talk. Hey, you know, uh, uh, so I will just say this. <laughs> if you see those ads on my content, just know I'm getting paid. <laughs> right? It's all right. Like, and I'll, I'll be honest. Like, I've told people that from the beginning. Like, as long as it doesn't truly change you, your perspective, your content, I think it is generally okay to work with different brands. However, if it is going to cause a messaging or moral conflict, 
I think that's where you draw the line. But like I said, I do think there is a number that for some people does become life changing money. That you have to have those real conversations on like, okay, is it worth it to take this or not? And how open or honest are you going to be with your audience? Because like I said, like, I'm not one to support cigarettes. I never have. I've never liked them. I think it's just stupid, whatever. People smoke or not, whatever, your choice. Probably wouldn't support them. But like I said, if you come up with six figures, that becomes life-changing money for a lot of people. We'll we'll know you. We'll know you took the bag. If we see uh, cigarette ads on your channel, y'all know I took the bag. If you come to my channel and you see, you know who really cares about black people? The Texas GOP. That's oh, that one. Yeah. See, that's another one. Like I don't know, but that's but that's real though, right? Having this conversation, right? Like I don't know how much it would take for me to want to support the Texas GOP. Like it, it would, I mean, it would have to be a huge, like, yeah. I don't know what the number is. There is one. Don't get me wrong. I ain't too it, proud. There, there is one. It's but, gotta be enough to just cover the fact that almost nobody in my family will ever talk to me. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's gotta be a big old number though. Right. Yeah. Like there is another, you know, if they said, okay, we got 500 K to drop left in our budget. Okay, I'll, I'll get this old. That's what I'm saying, right? So, so there's there's a number. I mean, if we're being honest, like there there is a thing, and that, and that's exactly what we're talking about, right? There is when the opportunity presents. There's some situations that some things are okay and some things aren't, and I and it sucks that people aren't honest about that with themselves. Like, oh, I would never, and I but like that's yeah. not true. Now, yeah. to be real, most of us in our content, myself included, are not large enough that that offer is ever going to come across our table. You know, maybe 10, 12 years from now. But right now, that's not going to come across our table. But when it does, I get it. And, and and you know, and it's interesting, too, because your perspective changes at that point, right? Like, let's say you are a Mr. Beast, where I'm sure he gets a bunch of six-figure deals anytime he wants to sponsor, I don't know, Raid Shadow Legends or something, yeah. right? He could have one of those companies show up that is a moral conflict for him and turn it down. Like they could literally say, well, we want to give you a million dollars for this. And he'd be like, nah, I'm good. I mean, the dude made like 26 or 30 yeah. million last year. Right. They'll on just YouTube, not counting his burger business and other investments and whatever. Right. Just on YouTube. So if somebody comes to him with a million dollars, like it's still a lot of money, but he's comfortable enough to still be able to say no. I would I would love to know what just what kind of crazy offer some of the major content creators just had to say nope nope not because you I know will tell you this I and I won't name names or whatever but I oh. do know there are people in the magic content space and the the biggest magic creators are only at like five six hundred thousand subscribers right so they they're not even at a million subscribers or whatever yet and I know a couple of them that have turned down. $10,000 plus deals. So at that size already, they're turning down sizable money. So when you're talking about being 10x what they are, like, yeah, or more, like that, that yeah, they're turning down real money for some of those deals that they don't yeah. take. You just know some of them are like, so we want to put slot machines in elementary schools. What do you think? <laughs> what can we do yeah. <laughs> to get you under this ad campaign? 
but yeah, we kind of got off course a little bit, but it was it was an interesting conversation. I, I think, you know, maybe we could follow up on that next week and just, Definitely. you know, make the thing of, OK, let's pick topics for each other and say, <laughs> would, you, would you or wouldn't you promote these things? And if so, like how strongly or how negatively? I think that'd be a good segment for people next week. We can do that in the dinner table. But all right, Brian, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? All right. I am Brian Sionic on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And uh, this week especially, WWE 2K22 is launched. First new WWE game in about two years. It's getting a, get, getting a lot of attention. So, hey, if you're interested in wrestling or wrestling games at all, please stop by and check that out. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And right now we're going to be going into the third regional of the uh, Planeswalker tournament. If you want to check that out, follow me on Twitter and TikTok to keep up with that stuff. But otherwise, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of you and your family and stay safe with all the junk out there. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other.